it's my privilege to introduce Tim McCracken as the regional director for Metanoia, our denomination's prison ministry. I want to encourage you, perhaps after service, if you'd like to follow up with, with Tim and see how you can be more involved. Again, thank you, Tim. morning, everybody. Boy, what a, what a privilege to be here. Um, I have looked forward uh, to this and my, the change in my position after pastoring uh, Fresno's first Reformed Presbyterian Church for about 29 years. The, the change to full-time uh, prison ministry has allowed me on Sundays to be with others and to see his work in other places. And what a, what a joy uh, and a privilege uh, to be among you for that reason. Um, our passage today is from Second Thessalonians and chapter 2 at verse 13 and moving on to chapter 3, verse 5. So that will be the scripture I usually introduce a bit. The guys at the chapels um, laugh at me because there's always this long introduction before I read. But anyway, that's how it goes. Um, but anyway, that's, that's where we are today. Second Thessalonians 2.13 on to chapter 3, verse 5. And uh, one of the blessings for me as an individual in Christ and, and hope of um, being called upon now each week to um, proclaim in six locations. Um, that's, that's new for me. <laughs> but it's, it's been going on now. Goodness, I started a, a year ago March, so that's 15 months worth. <laughs> but I used to go once a month into the, into the prisons, and now I get to go each week. It's a standing fellowship um, that, that I get to have with men who have uh, become, uh, there's a brotherliness. And to again and again and again look into the Word and move on to another place and look at faces and souls and come again to the same material two, three, four, five, six times. It's good for my soul. About time number five, I begin to get it. Uh, <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm playing around when I say that. But I, I, I report to you that it has been a genuine blessing to return again and again to the same material. Um, because there's a certain honesty which, with which I say um, that my heart begins to take its courage in what's said there, and more so the more we return together. And I know about myself uh, through the course of ministry over some uh, you know, time, but also across the, the, the whole scope of my place in the world as one who bears good news, good news for a local church, you know, but also good news for um, my family and good news for neighbors and friends Bearing good news, it, I have needed today's truths that you will see in Second Thessalonians. I have needed them, and I've found that I have an ongoing need for them. Does that make sense? To where I know it, I could answer the multiple, multiple choice tests. I can do that. But for my soul to depend again and return again to the thing, uh, to the truths of what is there, um, because my, my heart flounders sometimes, will this gospel take its effect in the world? 
Now I look around the room and I see faces that I know, and I know this gospel's taken to effect. And I, and I, 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 week after week, I'm with about 70 men every week, and I see the effect of the gospel. And then I have a situation where I'm longing to see the fruit of the gospel, but my heart is treading water thinking about it. And I need, I need the truths that you will see today, and I'm hoping that you will be blessed as we go to these things. What we're going to examine in Second Thessalonians 2.13-3.5 to is a series of things in a very concentrated package that the Apostle and his fellow missionaries thank God for. And then also things that, this would be Paul and Silas and Timothy, um, pray for themselves and ask the church to pray for. So we're in two main categories, things for which God is thanked and things uh, about which God is petitioned. Biblically, we are called upon to petition God concerning these things. And here's the deal. If God is thanked for these things, and if we are called upon to petition Him for these things, they must belong to Him to give. Everything you will see in the list today, because I'm a list maker um, everything you will see in the list today belongs to God to give. He is able in every category. We're going to, we're going to touch on seven categories briefly. And He is able in every category. More than that, I can say with confidence, it is God's will to give such things as these. And He has given them on record. It is God's will to give such things as these. Therefore, it is suitable to His glory for us to believe Him concerning the categories of things that He gives in the world and has given in the world. It is suitable for us. Um, I think to myself about the multiple choice test or the true-false test. Can we answer the question, is God the giver? Well, okay, you know, right? Didn't we hear James say every good and perfect gift is from above and those kinds of words? Haven't we heard the Apostle Paul say in Acts 17, he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. We know God is giver. Check it right off on the test. I've got that there. Um, the striking thing about today's uh, list is the categories of things he gives. And I'm going to make the list before reading. You check it and see if that list is in there <laughs> when we read. But here's the here's list of things that God gives. Souls unto salvation. Chew on that one a minute. He gives persons. He gives souls for salvation. He works with hearts for encouragement and, and consolation. He works with hearts. That's number two. Number three is that he gives strength. Strength is actually mentioned twice here. Um, and the, in category three that I'm speaking of, it's not just strength of any kind. It is strength unto sanctification. Strength unto the good deeds, words. That's in the list. Strength unto that. He gives the spread of the gospel that the gospel would go forward from where it is now and touch more than it has yet touched in His unfolding uh, mercies and grace. He gives 
the spread of the gospel. Number five, he gives protection from Satan. And strength is mentioned in that category as well. Number six, he directs hearts into his love. Number seven, he directs hearts into Christ's perseverance. That's a pretty big list for a pretty concentrated batch of words. And so I'm really glad to bring that. Again, it's the categories uh, that we're dealing with here. We know that God gives, you know, from Him would come our food, would come our clothing, would come a roof over our heads, that kind of thing. But in, in every aspect of this list, He is working with human hearts unto redemption. And that's what we're talking about. Um, one of the striking things about the situation of Thessalonica church is how unlikely it would have been that there would be a church in Thessalonica. Um, you look back at the account in the book of Acts about the formation of this church and only three Sabbaths are mentioned before conflict. Went into the synagogue, began to reason, three Sabbaths, and then it's conflict. I mean, it might have been more than three weeks. You know, it, it's not on record exactly how long, but only three Sabbaths are mentioned, and then conflict, and then new believers, brand new believers, are saying to the missionaries, you must go for your safety. You must leave. So that the apostle uses words like, we were torn away from you. First Thessalonians 2.17 Words like this, 1 Thessalonians 3.5, when we could stand it no longer, we sent to find out about your faith. He's concerned and he hasn't been able to stay long enough to, to see them rooted, grounded. They send Timothy back to strengthen, to encourage them in their faith. And even the, the Apostle is saying such things in um, the first of the letters, um, I sent, this would be chapter 3 at verse 5, I sent to find out about your faith, lest in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. I, part of what I'm describing is the dynamic of the carrying out of the gospel that, the, the, that is on record in the apostles' experience. And then what he thanks God for and what he petitions God for, this dynamic, he's aware that it's a war. And there's an enemy. And the enemy doesn't want faith. And he doesn't want people to count God faithful or count his kingdom worthy. He doesn't want that. And he's concerned about these people's souls. When Timothy returned, there was a good word. The people had stood firm. And they had stood firm under persecution. You folks know how hard it is to plant a church, right? <laughs> There's a lot of work in planting a church. You want to try to do that in three weeks? God planted the church. And God plants this one, by the way, too. <laughs> right? But that's the issue. Um, God chose to plant a church there sent them to persons He loved. We're going to see all of that uh, as I read. The Thessalonian church, um, their 
perseverance under persecution. The persecution was serious. Paul compares it to his own in, in letter number one. That's got to be serious persecution. He compares it to the circumstances in Judea when Christ was crucified. So it must, I don't know the details of exactly what happened in Thessalonica, but he compares it to his own, compares it to what happened when Christ was crucified. That kind, shall we say, of persecution. And yet they stood firm. And word went out from there. They had turned from, they had turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God to wait for His Son from heaven whom He'd raised from the dead Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. That's what had occurred in Thessalonica. And, uh, and He rejoiced in that. He gave thanks for that. Perhaps it's finally time to read. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 to chapter 3, verse 5. But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God chose you to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our Gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so then, brothers, stand firm and hold to the teachings we passed on to you, whether by word of mouth or by letter. May our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God our Father who loved us and by His grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men. For not everyone has faith. But God is faithful. And He will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. Is that a concentrated list or what? (laughs) There's a lot going on in there that relates to prayer, what he's thanking God for, what he's asking for, what he's petitioning the church to ask for. There's a whole lot going on in there. And I think, too, they're called upon to stand firm. Did you hear it as I read? Stand firm then? But God's involved in that standing firm. They had stood firm, but it's on the ground of what we see there. Um, Let's talk then about each category, at least briefly. Let's talk about God giving souls for salvation. He says, I thank God for you. I'm looking out at the audience. I thank God for you. I'm I'm getting to fellowship today with you. I thank God for you. And God is in the business of reaching out to and saving effectively persons like yourselves and uh, like others, for whom you long that he would uh, that he would act. Again, we don't we don't thank for something that 
he's not involved in. If he says, we thank God for you, then he's involved <laughs> in the persons and their redemption. And it's so specific there. He loved you. And from the beginning, chose you unto a purpose. Not just, you know, chose you for a possibility of salvation. He chose you to be saved. He chose how he was going to do it. Through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. He chose... Um, you know, uh, how, how the, that, that, that it would occur through the gospel um, and through the belief in the truth. He, he chose all of those things, but it's at, at the very heart of it. He chose persons to be saved. He had loved them. So this thing, the, the matter of the salvation of persons is from Him. He is able. It is His will. He has done it through the ages. He is doing it. We may trust Him. We may uh, entrust our hopes to Him for the, for the salvation of persons. Um, <clears throat> did you notice that it does talk about the means that are involved? Um, the fact here that um, it would be through belief in the truth. Uh, he called you to it through the gospel. So there's the means of getting the message of the hope to them for faith. And so Paul was involved in that and he proclaimed Christ and you will be involved too. You will commend Christ to others. You will be involved. But when you see this passage, understand what's behind it, underneath it, all around it. That the Lord is saving in the world. He is saving in the world. And He can do so effectively. He loves people. Think about Thessalonica, though. Think about Thessalonica. There were two responses to the Gospel in Thessalonica. One is faith. But the other response is hostility. It was there in the city. And, and we know that, that experience of response or not response to the Gospel. But here's the deal. God is involved in the matter of how a heart responds. I guess I'm going to get there. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm going to get there in just a minute. But you carry the gospel out. You commend Christ. You proclaim Him to others. You have hopes in your heart for the effective redemption of family and neighbors and community. And uh, just in, in our community last night, we, we encountered a situation I don't know the details of, but it had the appearance of something more broken than I know how to describe to you. The police are in my home at 3 o'clock in the morning, inside my door, so we had to talk over things that had been seen. You know, that, that kind of deal. The brokenness. And yet, and yet, the power of God to redeem redeems idol worshippers from Thessalonica and my own soul. And you know what I'm saying? So this this the hope of his strength to redeem is for your own soul and for everyone to whom you would commend him. He can save. He has loved people. We're on, on the ground we don't know whom he has loved unto eternal salvation. Just looking out, we're it's not our we're we're finite. We don't know. But we know He's in the business. That's the phrase I use for this message. He's in the business of souls. Persons for salvation. And He can do it. It is His will to do it. 
Um, let me move on to number two. Two? Oh my goodness. <laughs> no, number two. Uh, encouragement. And, and I have a brief word on the, on the matter of encouragement, the, the, the prayer for it. May the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, and, you know, who, and here's the sequence there at verse 16. He has given us eternal encouragement and good hope. That's a done deal. Right? This is a given thing. He has given us this. But that's not where it ends. He works with hearts to taste the encouragement of it. The comfort of it. The consolation of it. The, the ultimate hope that we have. He's in the business, shall we say, not only of placing before us something in which we could hope, but He's in the business of having hearts take the courage of it. And same for your own heart. Let's talk about strength unto good deeds and words. Um, did you see the connection? 16, 17. May He encourage your heart, strengthen you. That's in direct connection with Him having given us an eternal encouragement and good hope, eternal consolation, an eternal comfort and good hope. And then he, he connects that with the idea of being strengthened in every good deed and word. I had a man just the other day just come up to me and says, how does sanctification work? Can you tell me that? <laughs> just give me that in one sentence, right? But I'll actually have you um, think for, for a moment about words like we get in Second Peter chapter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through, through what? Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you might participate in the divine nature, escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Um... Like, may He encourage your hearts to, in strength to good deeds and words. That's how He does it. By His Spirit and by His Word, causing you to know Him as He is and to know His promises. Um, that's uh, part of the, the method. That's the one-sentence version of that, by the way. There's a longer story on that one. Um, let's talk about the spread of the Gospel. I love a really literal rendering of that. Um, Pray that the message of the Lord may run. <laughs> if you want to translate real literally there. And, and just think about that with me. You are a church that seeks to commend Christ in every sphere of life the Lord has granted you, person by person, household by household, congregation as a whole, in your community. You seek to commend Him. May the Gospel spread unhindered. Just to know that he's in the business, in the business of having it go on and be honored just as it has been in your own believing souls. See, the Apostle Paul is reflecting on a city where there was hostility to the gospel and belief in the gospel. And he says, may the gospel go forward and be honored as it was among you. He's actually talking about how people respond to the message when they hear it. If they would accept it or not. God's in the business. 
in the business of how people respond. God's not only in the business of sending someone to put a message forward. He's also in the business of how people respond. We can pray for that just as he does there. And again, I think of the first letter to the Thessalonians where he said, we thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but as it actually is the word of God. He thanked God for how people received the message. God's in the business. As you proclaim he works with a person and, and, and in that way. Let's talk about protection from Satan. That's number five. The other was four. The spread of the gospel is number four. Number five, protection from Satan. It's fascinating here. Paul gives a very legitimate request. Hey, pray for me. Right? Pray for me that I might be delivered. You gotta understand this is from a man whose back is probably not healed up from the flogging he received in Philippi. Pray that I might. That's a legitimate request. <laughs> Lord, you know, pray for me. Lord, there, there are hostile people and, and I've been hurt over and over and over again. Pray for me. But that's not the only thing going on there in chapter 3. Think of it this way. When the, no, here, here's why there's another thing going on. He speaks to the church that was being persecuted as well, saying the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. That's a, like evil with a, uh, a definite pronoun or, you know, the, the, or a, a definite article. The evil one. Um, the Lord is faithful. Because imagine that, or not imagine, that's not the right word. Um, consider this that the apostle was sometimes preserved from harm physically and sometimes not, right? Sometimes he escapes out a wall and gets away. And sometimes he gets away from Thessalonica without being arrested and beat up and, and whatever. Other times he doesn't. But it seems here, and it seems especially from the first letter, that the um, intention of the enemy of our souls in stirring up in wicked hearts that persons would threaten, would harm believers, is not just their misery. The intention would be to unseat their trust, call into question whether God could be trusted. And here's what the Apostle declares. The Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. I am thankful that God is in the business of protecting souls that I love from the enemy of souls. And we may turn to Him. We may lean on Him for that. Finally and very briefly, that the last two, six and seven, love and perseverance, only to say this about it. Whose love is it? Whose perseverance is it? The love is God's. The perseverance is Christ's. And the request here is that God would direct hearts into it. It's that active work of God by His Holy Spirit to work with your heart and mine. 
to direct it into His love. And that would be surely the knowledge of His love. If we were to know that surpassing love, we would be strong. you know. But also perhaps into the practice of His love and that. Anyway, direct their hearts into His love and into Christ's perseverance. Um, there was recent preaching at the, at the uh, chapels from Hebrews chapter 12. Fix your eyes on Jesus, you know, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, those kinds of words. And so, may the Lord grant you also this, that He would work with your heart. Not just that you would work with your own heart, but that He would direct your heart into His love and into Christ's perseverance. Good list. Amen? Alright, let's pray. Lord, as I speak and reflect and I know my need